Hey everybody, welcome back on the Macro Compass. This is Alf speaking and today's article goes through the Fed meeting we just experienced yesterday. The title of the article is A Pivot, Yes, From Hawkish to More Hawkish. Now, we finally got a pivot, but not exactly what investors were looking for. And uh, Powell, uh, More Hawkish Pivot, was done through the use of three unambiguous punchlines. Uh, Powell made clear to convey one clear message. We will get it done, whatever it takes. Now, investors entered the FOMC meeting with a complacent attitude, and even the initial press release actually seemed to back the idea of a dovish pause. But as soon as Powell walked into the press conference room, there was an abrupt awakening to the old reality. This is not the time to reload on risk assets or actually on any assets. What we will do in this article is we will go through the Fed meeting and the bond market reaction step by step and also discuss how the reiterated Fed hawkish stance will interact with the liquidity backdrop ahead. Treasury buybacks announcement, QT, reverse repo, etc., etc., and how this interaction affects portfolio strategies going forward. Now, before we start, guys, mark your calendars. November 10th, 2022 next Thursday, you do not want to miss that email or that podcast version if you're listening to this of the Macro Compass. I won't say more. Stay tuned for next week, November 10th. Now, back to it. Um, when the press release was, uh, was out, it seemed to be pretty dovish, but Powell started speaking and things dramatically changed. He threw three major bombs to investors, signaling that yes, there was a pivot, but not the one they were looking for. The pivot was from Okish to more Okish. Now, let's see these three key moments. Let's analyze them. The first is when Powell said it's very premature to think about a pause in our interest rate hiking cycle. I think Powell entered the press conference looking at his screens and he saw rates rallying, the dollar weakening, equities zooming higher, a broad easing of financial conditions. He must have been very pissed. In the Q&A sessions, he used one of his very first chances he had to completely dispel the idea of a dovish pause. Now, why did he do that? Let's try to take a step back. The Fed is setting policy, looking at core inflation and developments in the labor market. Those are coincident to lagging indicators, which means effectively the Fed is driving the car, not looking in front, but looking in the rearview mirror. Now, my mentor often said, Alf, Investors that trade and make decisions based on what central banks should do, in their opinion, will underperform. It's not about what the Fed should do, it's about what the Fed will do. The labor market is still pretty hot, and core PCE inflation is trending at 5% annualized rates. There is no evidence whatsoever in the data that would support a Fed pause, let alone a pivot. And Powell came back to the press conference and reminded everybody of that. The first bond market reaction analyzed in the article is what happened to the proxy that I use for terminal Fed funds rate. At the press release, it went down by 15 basis points, but as soon as Powell started speaking, it abruptly rose over 5% and never looked back after that. Now, bond investors immediately understood the change of tone that Powell was driving in the press conference, and that is also pretty loudly explained by yield curves that kept flattening and inverting. Why am I talking about yield curve is that 
Powell is gaslighting people, but I don't want him to gaslight you when it comes to yield curves. So let's talk about that for a second. Uh, any yield curve slope you see in the overnight index swaps curve, the OIS curve, be it twos fives, two stands, five thirties, they're inverted anywhere between negative 60 basis point and negative 86 basis point. And they have been relentlessly inverted since March or April. We're talking about seven to eight months already. US Treasury curve slopes are also inverted across the board. And yet to show that there is no room for nuances whatsoever, Powell cherry-picked a very special curve slope, the 18-month forward, three months, minus three-month rates. It sounds really complicated. It is gaslighting, really, cherry-picking, in an attempt to dismiss even evident and persistent curve inversions as a reason to slow down the Fed hiking cycle. Now, it can gaslight a couple of commentators out there, but not the macrocompass community. So in the article, you can see the chart I reconstructed to track Powell's preferred curve slope, it's trading at plus 14 basis point. It's not inverted yet. It will soon invert. Um, and most importantly, it was at over 200 basis point positive in February. It's now at a meager 14 basis point. Inversion, not inversion, so just a matter of time. It has also flattened aggressively. But Powell doesn't want to hear it. He doesn't want to hear any nuance, any question that might lead him to give an answer that is not a very committed one to fighting inflation as the only objective you can see ahead. The second um, important punchline he true was the following. The incoming data since our last meeting suggests that the terminal rate of Fed funds will be higher than previously expected, and we will stay the course until the job is done. Now, the other pivot or pause that investors were looking for was a remark that financial stability risks were actually increasing. And therefore, you know, keeping rates in the 5% area for too long is an additional risk to this financial stability pattern. Basically, they were looking for a step back from the higher for longer mantra. And they got the opposite. Powell reiterated that the Fed will stay the course and keep at it. And Powell keeps repeating this keeping at it until the job is done. Now, do you know why? Um, one of Volcker's last books is titled Keeping at It. Now, this is interesting. Volcker has been mentioned many times by Powell as his hero and role model in his inflation fight. And he keeps saying, we will keep at it. Now, how did the bond market digest this higher for longer mantra reiteration? The Fed was not only repriced to high rates above 5%, but it was also repriced to keep them at least there for six more months compared to what the market was pricing before the Fed meeting. That means today the market is pricing Fed funds above 5% for the entirety of 2023. Now try to picture that in your head. There is a chart in the article you can have a look at, which is pretty interesting. Now, this higher for longer mantra is important to Powell because it reduces the possibility of financial conditions preemptively easing. It's undesirable given the Fed is trying to slow inflation down to 2% as soon as possible. And even when a journalist asked Powell about markets rallying during his press conference, Powell's reaction was unambiguously along the same lines with a strong pushback. So it's going to be higher for longer. And investors should understand that that was Powell's point. The third and most important punchline was prudent risk management. And Powell said that the risks of doing too little are much higher than the risks of doing too much when fighting inflation, because where the Fed over tighten, they could always use their tool later on to support the economy. 
while where they to do too little to fight inflation, they would risk inflation getting entrenched. Exactly the problem that um, Powell's hero, Volcker, had to fight in the 70s when he relaxed early in the first inflation fight. And after that, had to go through and, and he was forced to tighten even more aggressively to bring inflation down. Powell wants to go down as somebody who successfully slayed the inflation dragon. In order to do so, he must have a lot of credibility with the markets in the first place. If you remember, I introduced the Powell credibility indicator a couple of weeks ago. It looks at, at one year forward, one year real Fed funds. So those are nominal Fed funds priced by market one year ahead against market expectation for inflation one year ahead. And if these real Fed funds priced one year ahead are in positive territory, way positive territory, it means the market believes that Powell will keep policy tight enough and will raise nominal Fed funds above the levels of inflation. Well, the Powell credibility indicator, you can see the, um, the chart in the article, made new highs yesterday. Powell is getting more and more credibility by markets. And now this Powell credibility indicator is not only positive, but it's approaching plus 2% area. Now, the way to look at it would be to look at real yields in the US across the board, which are also trading nowadays in the plus 2% area. Powell likes this, and we should not fight the Fed. Now, it's time to look at market implications, also taking into account the important developments ahead in the US monetary plumbing world. Now, when it comes to this monetary policy backdrop, um, there is also something very interesting going on in the monetary plumbing arena. Investors nowadays in the US can get a 4% plus return by simply parking money in short-term treasuries or money market funds. What do they get if they keep money in a bank? Almost nothing. And while short-term treasuries or allocation in money market funds are of course a little bit more liquid than a bank deposit, the pros are now very compelling. First of all, you get a major excess return of over 4%. But most importantly, you're allocating a form of money you're, you're basically um, allocating into um, an outlet of money that is less risky than a bank deposit if you exceed the FDIC insurance threshold of 250000 Think about it. If you have more than $250,000 in a bank, you are basically running an unsecured risk of a commercial bank. Your, your money is a liability of a commercial bank. If instead you park this money exceeding 250000 in short-term treasuries or in highly regulated money market funds that can only invest in short-term treasuries, you basically are uh, parking money in what it is a government risk. So your money becomes a liability of the government, a less risky form of money than a liability of a US commercial bank. And on top of that, you're going to make more than 4% additional returns. And why is this relevant is that if some investors would decide to allocate a portion of their bank deposits into short-term treasuries, for example, they would take these deposits away from the banking system. And with it, they will also take bank reserves away from the system. So they will shrink the balance sheet of the banking system. When bank reserves drop, you have to imagine that bank reserves are money for banks. They sh you should think of them as the lubricant of the financial system. The more bank reserves out there, the more money for banks out there, the more banks can easily settle transactions within each other. They can engage in the repo, reverse repo, in balance sheet and liquidity providing transactions to markets. The, least, the less reserves out there, the more banks will be prudent with providing liquidity to markets. And over the next few quarters, reserves will be falling very hard, not only as the result of this potential allocation shift from money in banks to 
money invested in short-term treasuries or money market funds, but also because in the, in the latest quarterly refunding announcement, the US Treasury announced that the Treasury general account will be raised by roughly 75 billion. That drains liquidity from the system. And don't forget, the Federal Reserve will keep running quantitative tightening at 95 billion a month. Both operations actually drain bank reserves from the system, unless you can shrink another Federal Reserve liability instead of bank reserves, which would be the reverse repo facility. And there were a lot of whispers around uh, about the US Treasury buyback plan. That would be a great idea to try and drain money away from the reserve repo rather than from bank reserves, because the US Treasury would issue a lot of T-bills to fund these bond buybacks that were discussed. And as a lot of T-bills were issued, money market funds could decide to take some money off the reserve repo facility and invest in these newly issued T-bills at very attractive levels. But the buyback plan has been postponed by at least three to six months. Recapping, it means that bank reserves are going to probably fall very hard. And as you can see in the article, there is a chart that shows that the lower amount of reserves in the system generally means that banks become more prudent because they have less reserves, less money for banks. Financial stability risks, liquidity risk events in markets go up and credit spreads generally widen in this environment. Now, recapping everything, we got a reiterated hawkish stance by the Fed. We have net liquidity drains ahead of us, which move us even more south in the macro compass quadrant allocation, as the allocation model, which means we will be staying deep into quadrant four. And as a reminder, quadrant four is a quadrant where you can be long dollar cash, long a lot of patience, and wait and short almost any asset, risk asset, but actually any asset out there. As my mentor used to say, there is a time to go long, a time to go short, and a time to go fishing, which means to be patient. After Powell's press conference and given the net liquidity drains ahead of us, this is definitely the time to be conservative and patient. Guys, this was all for today. Thanks for listening all the way through. As always, please share the article around in your network. Uh, it would really make my day. And uh, once again, a reminder that next week, 10th of November, should be marked in your calendars. You don't want to miss that email or that podcast from the Macro Compass. We'll talk again next week.